Our doctor is in, and so are the doctors of Capital Health. Welcome to the all-new Health 411. Every Sunday morning at 10, Dr. Jonathan Karp, along with our respected panel of guests from Capital Health, take you on an important medical journey to help you navigate your health and the healthcare system. To reach your destination, good health. Health 411 is underwritten by Capital Health. Minds advancing medicine. Capital Health is the region's leader in providing progressive quality patient care with exceptional physicians, nurses, and staff, as well as advanced technology. 1077 The Bronx. 1077TheBronc.com proudly nominated for National Association of Broadcasters 2019, 2021, and 2022 Marconi Award for Best College Radio Station. We are broadcasting from the Bronx All Digital Studios on the campus of Ryder University. Welcome to Health 411. I am your host, Professor Jonathan Karp. This Health 411 program is presented by Capital Health. In Health 411, we discuss a variety of issues affecting health and wellness, public health, healthcare policy, and the science of health and healthcare. Our goal is to expand your knowledge and perspective and give you some things to think about. Today, Daniel Geller, our student producer, are going to have a conversation about um, what people know and what people think they know. Um, and this is particularly relevant in today's world because not only are we on the, a campus where we're trying to educate people, we're trying to teach students how to, uh, how to learn um, and the, so they become lifelong learners and be aware of what they're learning. We live in a society that's full of things that people are being asked more and more to make sort of judgments about scientific things whether it's vaccination, whether it's vaccination for COVID, whether it's vaccination for other kinds of things, you know, even the new, the, ne the next new <laughs> vaccination, monkeypox monkey monkey could be big the next one, big one. But you know, every year people have to make a decision of getting a flu vaccine. But there's also things that are in science, um, let me think of a couple things like ge uh, genetically modified foods, mm -hmm. um, uh, gene therapy, climate change, um, even, you know, is the earth, Round, flat, 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 flat or not. These are the kinds of things that people have to make sort of judgments about. And being a college professor, you know, um, you know, you, 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 when the semester starts, you don't, professors or even whether you're in high school or no matter what age you're at, the students come into the classroom. You don't assume they know everything at the beginning of the semester. The goal is to have them leave at the end of the semester or the end of the quarter, whatever you're on, with a different set of cognitive tools than they started with. Mm -hmm. It's not just about rote memorization often. It's more about kind of gaining the ability. Well, know? well, in, in a sense, sometimes rote, there's nothing wrong with learning rote memorization. It's sort of the lowest form of learning, mm -hmm. regurgitation. Yeah. I mean, that's how you learn to like speak, right? There and, you and go. Count and count yeah. <laughs> and do all those important kinds of things that you just regurgitate it at first and eventually you learn how to use it. But there's all these different things about learning that are important. Um, but there's a, there, there's a, a, a phenomena that was named, oh, about 23 years ago now. Is that when they named it? Yeah, 1999 was when the original paper came out. Um, a paper came out by authors Kruger and Dunning, mm -hmm. who were some scientists at, at Cornell University. And um, they sort of were the first to sort of collect data and talk about these things, which has been known become the you know, um, the Dunning-Kruger effect or the Kruger-Dunning effect. I think Dunning-Kruger has a nicer ring. Yes, <laughs> yes. He, he was the senior author from Cornell University. But anyway, these, it's an interesting thing because what this effect is, is, is sort of um, 
uh, it's a scientific evaluation of something my father used to say to me when I was a kid, you know, growing up. And, you know, all, all, parent, all kids try to convince their, their parents of something. Yeah. Dad, you don't understand this. Mom, you don't understand this. And my dad would say, you know, joking around, you know, because whatever it was, he says, my mind's made up. Don't confuse me with the facts. <laughs> right? That's funny. You heard, you heard I like that. that. I like that. And he's like, I, I already know what I believe. And we see that um, more and more in society all the time. Um, back when I was your age, Dan, because I'm an old fart now. Back, back in the Jurassic period. Back in the Jurassic period when we had to study by candlelight yeah. um, and didn't have cell phones and people didn't have PCs and somehow we made it through college. No electricity, no toilets. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm yeah, just kidding. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it, there's, there's, we can, it's a whole other po point of conversation. I'll let you know. Um, buy me a beer, Rick. Talking, <laughs> but anyway, the 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 idea. One of the people of my generation, and this has ended up not to be true in the current world, had this sort of mistaken idea that if people didn't understand something, or people, I don't want to use the word ignorant, but were unaware mm -hmm. of something, if you could show them evidence, if you could show them data, which one of the reasons I was attracted to science, mm -hmm. people would look at the data and say, oh. This is what the data means. I understand it. Therefore, I can draw conclusions and I understand what you're talking. Mm -hmm. So it was the idea that if you could convince people like over by well, overwhelming data, um, people would understand and you could make non-experts in a sense understand what the experts were saying. Mm -hmm. right? um, it turns out that in today's world, that's sort of not the case. Mm -hmm. right? A lot of people come to school or anything, and this is particularly relevant in the sciences, um, where sometimes students are, conf are, are exposed to things in science classes, and that's different than what they might have come into the class believing mm -hmm. or thinking about how the world works or how the body works yes. or the position of the Earth, you know, at the you know relative to other th celestial bodies, because mm -hmm. we now know the Earth is not at the center of the universe. Yes, I hope I hope I hope you believe. I that. do believe that. Um, but <laughs> at, at one time, the greatest minds in the world thought that the Earth was at the center of the universe, and they they had all these Earth-centric ways of looking at the mm -hmm. world. Um, and then, why did it change? Because the evidence started to point in other directions. Mm -hmm. We now know that the orbit of the planets are not completely circular, mm -hmm. right? Because the why? Because the data showed that you know God didn't create perfectly circular orbits. There you go. Yeah. Around, yeah. You, you know what I mean? I understand. So, and so what happened was people did enough scientific experiments, and a consensus developed because you, you measure something over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Something like gravity. Mm -hmm. You know, the joke is, oh, gravity. It's just a theory. Quote unquote theory. Yeah, it's a theory, right? right? I mean, right, right? So, I mean, but theory and science mean something different than a theory sort of in the vernacular on the street. Mm -hmm. A theory on the street in the vernacular is sort of a guess yeah. or a hunch. It's not that way in science. Mm -hmm. it's right? A lot more evidence based, reviewed, it's sort of peer reviewed. Like, so th yeah, grav it's a theory of gravity, but gravity is sort of a real thing. You, yeah. can, you can predict it, you can predict when it goes away, when it comes back, mm -hmm. you know, they being on like the space station and, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and things like that. So there's all these interesting things. It happens with evolution too. Mm -hmm. It's just a theory. Just a theory. <laughs> just a theory. You can see right? it happening in bacteria, but just a theory. It's just a theory. But the, the whole point is, is that people who don't understand science and the scientific process hear words like that, and they think it's like a hunch mm -hmm. or a guess, right? 
also in science, science is based on, it's probabilistic. It's probabilistic thinking. It's mm -hmm. probabilistic judgments. It's like the vaccination thing. One of the, you know, you know, when, when, when promoting, you know, vaccines, you know, back in, even in the days of, you know, um, cowpox and stuff, you know, the, the people were not turning into cows. This is true. They were not growing tails from animals mm -hmm. or, or things like that. But people were afraid because they didn't understand the biology behind it. Mm -hmm. And they were terrified of it. Some of that persists even today in talking about like COVID vaccines or, you know, flu vaccines or other kinds of A things. A lot of people are afraid of what they don't know. Well, that, well that's that's sort of where we're going like this. And scientists, science is a, is a general thing works on consensus. You know, we now know the Earth is not the center of the universe because the data show it. Mm -hmm. Does that mean there, does everybody believe that? No, there's probably some people who think the Earth is probably at the center of the universe. Right? Yeah. And the Earth rotates, you know, the sun rotates the Earth sort of thing. Even though the consensus is that's not the case. I mean, even you have a lot of un uncontacted tribes, for example, you know, across the world, and they see the sun and they think it is like a god. They don't there, see it. There it's you, a ball, you mean a it's, ball a, it's, it's not a god? It's not a god? As far well, I don't believe the sun is a god. <laughs> I won't try to offend the Papua New Guineans who do believe so. But though. You, you mean that the moon god is not chasing the sun god across the sky every day? If another word for celestial <laughs> body is God, then I'd have to agree with you. Yeah, well. <laughs> but anyway, but there are people who think these sort of things, just like there are people who think the Earth is flat, mm -hmm. right? Now, the Earth is not really a circle. It's sort of like a sphere kind of thingy. So it's not completely round. But despite the fact that you can put a satellite up there and take pictures of the Earth and, mm -hmm. like, you know, travel around the Earth and, you know, do all these sort of things. Despite a lot of things. Despite a lot of things, there are some people who think they know more than the scientists or they think the scientists have like an ulterior motive and they they're all in yeah. cahoots together and they're all in they're all in cahoots together right and if you you believe that you know there were two people in the room when bill clinton you know soiled the blue dress oh, and right. somehow <laughs> somehow the world found out about it right there are only uh. two people in that room right so are there things that are secrets yeah but whenever you get like people together the secrets are really really hard to keep yeah and things like that because like for whatever people want their 15 minutes of fame or whatever it is to get that information out there. So what happens is we have in a, a, a sort of a real um, difference between um, um, basically one's understanding and knowledge in people. If people, you know, people can be anywhere from novices to experts, mm -hmm. right? And then if you ask novices to experts to sort of rate their abilities, of how good they are at things. There's what we're going to talk about is there's a disconnect there. Yeah. There's a disconnect called the Dunning-Kruger effect where people who have less knowledge and less understanding significantly overrate their abilities to make judgments on certain kinds of things. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, in, in this in this health 411 uh, program. However, we need to take a break for some underwriting announcements. We'll be right back on health 411. You are listening to 1077 the Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. There's no appointment needed for this doctor's visit. Now back to the all new health 411 underwritten by Capital Health Minds Advancing Medicine. 1077 the Bronx 1077thebronc.com. We're recording health 411 from the Digital Bronx Studios. Welcome back. I'm Professor Jonathan Karp, joined in the studio today with our student producer, Dan Geller. And we, um, in the last segment, introduced sort of this concept of what's become known as the Dunning-Kruger effect. Um, 
Kruger and Dunning published a paper in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology in 1999. The title of the paper was Unskilled and Unaware of It, How Difficulties in Recognizing One's Own Incompetence Lead to Self-Inflated um, Assessments. Mm -hmm. And this sort of effect um, has been repeated um, um, in many, many avenues in many many ways many subjects in many, many subjects. walks of life um, um before we started recording dan you're saying you know you when you took the bio one bio 115 here right long time ago right the, the the semester started with some of your professors talking about that yeah so basically what they did is they put a graph on the screen and said this is how many people thought they would get an a and they all got c's these people thought they'd get c's or they got like b's or these people thought they'd get b's they got a's because you sort of the less you know the less you're able to kind of predict how well in, in, in a sense so you have you have an extreme if you if you use the word graph you have an x and y axis and imagine sort of on the on the x axis call it like actual ability mm -hmm. is how much you know and then you on the y axis you could have like perceived ability mm -hmm. right which could be like what you the grade you know how much you actually know yep. which is like objective knowledge mm -hmm. and then you have subjective knowledge could be like something like, like what you think you know. Your grades, yeah, what you think you know, and your ability to predict it. And on one end of that, they, they, on, the far, on the high end, the super high end, there's people who know a lot often sometimes suffer from something called imposter syndrome. Mm. They feel like, I don't really belong here, even though I really know a lot yeah. and I'm really good. But on the other end of that, in the lower quartiles, that some of the lowest, the people with the lowest amount of knowledge, like in the bottom 25% of knowledge, mm -hmm. right? overinflate what they think they know, mm -hmm. right? And in a paper that came out very, very recently, this is 2022, in July of 2022, in the journal Science Advances, um, knowledge overconfidence is associated with anti-consensus views on controversial scientific issues. Mm -hmm. Does that sound sort of relevant today? Sounds quite relevant. It's a very, very relevant thing. And so what they were sort of looking for is that this, this phenomena where people with the least amount of scientific understanding, the people with the least amount of knowledge overinflate their abilities, mm -hmm. right? It's the opposite of the students who used to frustrate the, frustrate the bejesus out of me when <laughs> I was a student. These were the students who, like a night before an exam, right, were panicking, oh my God, I'm gonna fail, I don't know anything, blah, 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 and then for some magical divine intervention, <laughs> yeah, some of those people did really well. Yeah. It's the people who, you know, were not nervous, weren't studying at the end, mm -hmm. were overly confident in what they knew, right, and maybe didn't study as hard, didn't do as much, and then, and then probably didn't perform as well. Yeah. Dunning-Kruger effect. Typical, typical. And, and what's interesting is that this, this group from Portland State University, University of Colorado Boulder, Brown University, University of Kansas. These people put together some studies looking at some scientific issues, controversial scientific issues. But a lot of those. Uh, there are a lot of those, but remember, science works on consensus. Yes. Science is about probabilistic thinking. Mm -hmm. It's not absolute, it's not 100%. You know, science is, at the, the boundary between what's known and unknown is always changing. And to be scientifically literate, you have to learn things like statistics. So is there really anything called a scientific fact if everything's based on probability? Well, in science, just like we use the 
the word theory being different in science in the vernacular. Mm -hmm. The word fact in science is different. The, mm -hmm. the, the use of the word is different. If something is a scientific, this is like general knowledge. Yeah. If something is a scientific fact, it means it's something that has been tested and tested and tested again in science that is probably not worth testing again. Okay. Because it's a science, it's, it's sort of an effect. Does mm -hmm. it mean you shouldn't test it? No. I mean, a lot of undergraduate and high school labs that people do. Oh yeah. Right. So like, you do experiments that have been done a, a lot, right? You're not pushing the boundary between what's known and unknown. Yeah. You might be pushing your boundary between what's known and unknown, mm -hmm. but you're doing something that has been done over and over and over again so many times that the answer is probably known. You're really just learning the methods. You're learning, learning the scientific process. It's not about pushing the boundaries of like world knowledge right. in those kinds of classes. So those are the kinds of things that are sort of facts, but they're they're still investigated in, in sort of way. So mm -hmm. just like the word theory means something specific to science, the word fact in science basically means it's not worth testing. Right. You know, yeah. is it, I mean, to make it, you know, um, is there any, is there any doubt that if I made you drink six beers in an hour <laughs> that you, you know, you're, perceptual abilities and I don't think there's any doubt of that right does that mean six beers for everybody is going to change him no like Andre the Giant used to be able to sit down and drink like a couple cases but he was a huge man yeah that guy was a unit right right so it's it's all probabilistic thinking and people struggle with that because uncertainty variability these things are inherent in science and a lot of people don't understand the scientific process they think it's binary about yes no right wrong yeah I teach you know biostatistics and I can tell you people come into that class and they don't, they, you know, thinking in a probabilistic way makes them nervous. Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're not comfortable with probabilistic thinking. It's a lot, it's a lot more comfortable to be, yes, black, white, no, you know? Right. And then you, and this is one of the things that I struggle with even in my biostat bio course is saying to students, you know, I'm just asking you here, you know, I'm asking, ask you a question. I know you don't know the answer to this question, but just Guess. Guess and give me a, a, an impression of how confident are you, right? Because we, we teach confidence in yeah. this. How confident are you in your guess? Mm -hmm. You know, and we do these sort of things. And I've had students who refuse to even say anything. Because mm. I said, I, said I, I know you don't know the answer. A question might be, you know, how many porcupines on their adult porcupine's body? Right? <laughs> like, I, like, I know you don't know the yeah, answer to that. I have no idea. So, but, but what I'm saying is give me... An estimate is that if you're unsure, you could say between five and ten million, and you yeah. know that interval in there, you're going to be right. But yes. it's a really big interval, mm -hmm. right? If you really know, say between a thousand and two thousand, mm -hmm. if you're really confident, that's how much it is. And it, but it's all teaching people to be comfortable with uncertainty, mm -hmm. being comfortable with probability, and that's what that's what statistics it is. It's trying to create some sort of understanding in an inherently variable world of what's going on to sort of get at people, helping people understand the scientific process and help them, you know, not be, you know, part of the, 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 the Dunning-Kruger effect. I like effect. to call it, I, like, see when I, because sometimes, you know, sometimes you catch yourself and you're like, I'm on the wrong end of Dunning-Kruger. That's what I call it. You're on the wrong end of it. You're on the wrong side of the curve. You're where nobody knows what they're talking well, well, about. You, well, that's what I was. That's what I was trying to say before when I was trying to describe a graph. There's two ways mm -hmm. of being on the wrong end. Yeah. You could on the on the on the on the on the on the low actual ability, high perceived ability end. Those are people who overinflate their own performance or overinflate their own understanding of things. Right. Right. On the other end, you have this thing that is sometimes called the imposter syndrome, is that people with high abilities, um, you know, 
you know, think they don't belong here. And um, it's, a, it's a typical thing that happens in grad school a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually wrote about it in a little book that I... Oh, your grad, grad, grad school, some grad shameless school, yeah. advertising. Right, it's like, how, you know, how do you know you belong yeah. kind of thing. And it's a, it's a typically normal thing that, that people happen. And as you become more and more aware of what you know, you're also more and more aware of what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, famous people have said the beginning of wisdom starts when you realize how much you don't know. Yeah. Always be cautious and around scientists. Somebody who says they know everything and know all the answers, that's not a scientific way of thinking. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, you know, a lot of people feel, um, whether it's from low esteem, fit, you know, not wanting to be perceived as wrong, um, and there, you know, we could talk about some of the reasons for that, but people overestimate um, their own abilities or they fail to recognize their own incompetence. Yeah. You know, and um, I'm not calling this, but the other people have called it the mountain of stupidity, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? In, in, in the general, I'm not using that term, but I've seen that out there. It's that people with, you know, you know, low levels of knowledge sometimes overestimate their own abilities. And what's interesting is that this, what this paper has done and um, I see I'm starting to get short on time, but we're going to talk about this paper that, that did, you know, like five different studies, and they looked at people's attitudes to uh, genetically modified foods, climate change, vaccination, homeopathic medicine, mm -hmm. evolution, the Big Bang Theory, and attitudes towards COVID. And what's interesting is they were able to look at these things, and they were able to assess people's, like, um, objective knowledge, what mm -hmm. they know, and their subjective appraisal mm. of how much they know. And it's very, very interesting. And I'll, you know, we'll go through these things, but the Dunning-Kruger effect is, is alive and well yeah. in, in, a, in a lot of different realms. And we're going to come back and talk about these things after some brief underwriting announcements. You're listening to Health 411 on 107.7 The Bronx and 107.7 The Bronx. There's no appointment needed for this doctor's visit. Now back to the all-new Health 411, underwritten by Capital Health, Minds Advancing Medicine. 107.7 The Bronx, 107.7 The Bronx.com. We are recording from the Digital Bronx Studios at Ryder University. This is Health 411. I'm Professor Jonathan Karp, and I'm here with Daniel Geller, and we are talking about um, knowledge overconfidence um, in in light of people's uh, appraisal of some current things that are happening in this world. And there's a, a, a re some research recently came out, and they were looking at um, people's ability to be sort of self-aware of what they know and what they actually know in a, in a testing sequence. And it, so it sort of starts sort of with the, the ancient, because I'm old, is this sort of <laughs> deficit um, idea that if you are, don't know something and you can give people the information that they need, these education-based interventions or in public for public health kinds of things, that people will, um, their deficit in knowledge will change their understanding of sort of what's going on. People will change their minds based on the evidence. Mm -hmm. That's sort of an idea between in, in, in a lot of education. However, we live in a society now that has like these cultural things going on. And there's some people call it things like cultural cognition, which the idea that people's sort of beliefs right, mm -hmm. are, are shaped more by their culture or their values or their affiliations or, um, you know, their, their peer group or 
sometimes even their religion for what they believe. Mm -hmm. And believe be believing is one of those things that's different in the scientific world than it is out in the you know on the street corner. Yeah. The use of that word, because when the scientist uses the word belief, they're using it in in the saying that something this is what the data shows mm -hmm. me what's going on when the person in the general public uses the word belief it's sort of like oh it's a guess it's like word. i think it's more like that's I right think. i think if i smear this perfume mm -hmm. on my body the the women are going to be really attracted <laughs> to me tonight if i go out to the bar right that's yeah, kind of, sort of like, thing. Yeah, it's yeah, sort yeah. of a yeah. It's completely made up, and there's probably no evidence. Unless you want to like measure the amount of pheromone in the perfume or in the but, deodorant, but and then even see so, how it affects the female. <laughs> I don't know. We are going there, but the thing <laughs> is that that that's a different kind. That's not. A, that's a non-scientific use of the word um, belief, and mm -hmm. we know from the Dunning Kruger that people tend to be bad at evaluating how much that they know. Right. In, mm -hmm. in terms of making and uh, making judgments. Um, and there's some and remember, science is all about consensus. And there are people in our society with the most extreme anti consent consensus views. Right. And what's interesting is those people are probably least aware of their knowledge deficits, mm -hmm. their knowledge gaps or their lack of understanding. And in the fancy circles, they call that metacognition. Metacognition. It, 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 that's a fancy word for it, but that's like being unaware of what you don't know. Mm -hmm. Like my mind's made up, don't confuse me with the facts because my mind's made up, It's I understand it, it's easy for me. And I just know that if you keep sailing west, you're going to fall off the edge of the earth because mm -hmm. the earth is relatively flat, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and you know, <laughs> I'm making jokes about it, but there are people who sort of believe that. And so what's sort of interesting is that this, this, this group from those schools that I mentioned earlier did some research, and they looked at all these different ways of, for, the, for, the, for the kinds of things we looked at before, you know, people's interpretation of genetically modified foods. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they looked at like how much they know and how opposed they were to the use of genetically modified food. And then they tested. Do you actually know what that means? Do you know what it is? Mm -hmm. Do you know that it's been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years? Yeah. It's not like a new thing, you know. Um, and so they had like they were able to come up with scores of opposition and looked at those scores of opposition, like these anti-consensus views. And they looked at, you know, objective knowledge, subjective knowledge, um, the difference between those two things. And they found some, you know, well, actually, let me ask you, what would you predict? I mean, I would predict that the more like, let's take GMOs, right? Like the more you know about GMOs, the more willing you are to eat GMOs because you, you generally have a better idea of what it is, how it works, whether it's safe or not. And if you don't know what it is, you fear the unknown. And you're like, oh, this could give me cancer. Genetically modified, what does that mean? So, sort of thing. Yeah, well, they, they, it's like they hear the word genetics and they get scared. It's like science. It, like some guy with a white lab coat with a test tube putting cancer well, in your beans, and, whatever. And this is a real thing because there's a, the, the, you know, um, nowadays the, 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 there's a, like a diagnostic technique called, mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, um, uh, magnetic resonance imaging MRIs, but it's actually an MRI because people are scared of nuclear. That well, that's exactly what that that's ex exactly where I'm going. Mm -hmm. When I was your age, they had the word like nuclear mm -hmm. right in there, and they've taken it out because people were scared by it. The yeah. technique is exactly the same, and it you know there 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 
those things are all over the world now. They even have like mobile MRI yeah, devices yeah. like for knees and you know shoulders and arms that you can put in an ambulance or mm -hmm. they can be on the field kind of things like that. You don't have to do like these big donut things. Yeah. Right? So it's a, it's a pretty standard thing, but to you know, people who were scared by the word nuclear, especially after the, the yeah, nuclear. Well, when you have the connotation attached to simply like the nucleus of the atom versus like a nuke, you know, like that's that's the bomb. Where, that's yeah, yeah, the bomb. Like that's where yeah. the, the disconnect is. Yeah. And what's sort of interesting and, um, you know, in the, in the first group of studies that, that this group did, um, you know, what did they find? They found, you know, uh, you know, as opposition to scientific consensus increases. Right. These are people like opposed to genetically modified foods mm -hmm. kind of things. Uh, objective knowledge decreases, but subjective knowledge increases. Mm -hmm. Right. So it means, you know, as your opposition goes up. Mm -hmm. Right. How much you really know uh, goes down, but how much you think you know is also going up. Yes, I understand. Right, my mind's made up. Don't confuse me with the facts. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's going. And it's um, it's 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 and when they look at even derive scores from this, they find you know more opposition to scientific consensus is associated with larger negative magnitudes of the knowledge difference, right? Which is a proxy for knowledge over confidence. Um, you know, and, and these results demonstrate that the most extreme opponents believe their knowledge ranks among the highest, mm -hmm. but it's actually among the lowest. Right? That sounds like I think I think it's like defiance breeds stubbornness, sort of thing. Yeah. Well, it's it's like a student. I remember uh, uh, years ago now uh, talking about evolution in a classroom, mm -hmm. and a student, a guy, actually like articulated, "That's not what I was taught at home." Mm-hmm. And you're sort of stunned at that because you were you were presenting like data, yeah. the weight of the evidence, scientific consensus. That doesn't mean everybody understands it or everybody well, believes it, mm -hmm. but the scientific consensus is this evolution's the best explanation for we have for how life has changed on our planet. Mm -hmm. You know, as you know, humans and dinosaurs didn't coexist. You know, is there a book that says, you know, there's pictures of humans and dinosaurs standing next to each other? Yeah, that doesn't make it real. Yeah. Right. It's just so the consensus um, is that, you know, evolution is a real thing that's that, that's sort of going on, um, you know, and what they're sort of finding in those sort of things that that the, the relationship between opposition and objective knowledge is negative for all the issues that they sort of looked at. Except climate change, where scientific consensus is sort of like over, like a little more mixed too, right? So people, it, it, you're saying that people are kind of more, more like understanding of cl climate change more. They believe it more. Well, the, the, this particular study was looking at sort of the human, um, the human influence on climate change. Is oh, happening. so people. Like so and and that and the scientific consensus is not as strong as it is for. You know the you know genetically modified right. foods um, or uh, vaccinations or the fact that homeopathic medicine really doesn't work. I want to talk. I want to talk <laughs> yeah. about the homeopathic. Okay, medicine. yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So, so you know, if something only works by, by placebo, does it still work, or is it the placebo effect? You know what I well, mean? Well, Okay, a placebo effect doesn't mean nothing's happening. Yes. Right. Um, because you, you know, it means that something is happening, but it's not being attributed to what you think it might be attributed to. Mm -hmm. So placebo effects are very, very real. They're used in medicine. Nocebo effects. Nocebo. Nocebo. So placebo comes from the root that means to please, mm. right? So the idea is that... Placate. 
play, well, play, okay, please, you can make something better in the absence of what you think is causing it. Yes. Like, you know, you know, my, but if you can make something better, there's also a possibility that you can make something worse, mm-hmm. right? It's sort of like, you know, a yin-yang in, in nature. Yes. Something can go up, it can also go down. Okay. Right? So nocebo is like the evil sister of a placebo effect. Okay. So, it's, 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 so these are, but these effects are real things. And in a sense, our nervous systems are designed to do that. Mm-hmm. And if you go back, because um, you bring it up, like uh, I brought it up, but it's, a, it's a sort of an example. Um, people are very familiar with Pavlov and his training of his dog. Pavlov's dog, right? yep. And it's, it's something like, you know, noise, food, saliva. I'm mm-hmm. simplifying it. Yeah. Right? You do yeah. noise, food, saliva. Noise, food, saliva. Now, eventually, now, you know, sal- you know, the food causes saliva production, right? But if you pair the food with the noise, Noise, food, saliva. Eventually, you can just make a noise, and the animal will produce saliva. Yeah. Right? Is that the placebo effect? Yeah. In a sense, your nervous system is designed to create associations. Well, because the food's absent while you're making saliva. Like, cor- the noise. Bingo. <laughs> right? And so nobody argues about, oh, it's a, well, it's a lot of things. It's an interaction between the nervous system and the digestive system. But in a sense, it's a mechanistic, you know, those classical conditionings are mechanistic ways of examining things like placebo effects and they're real i mean your nervous system is designed to learn that kind of stuff which is which is we're different than what we're talking about here yeah but we're, we're, way, we're just going there um but you wanted to bring up homeopathic medicine and so the, the the truth is that there's you know sort of no reliable evidence that homeopathic medicine is an effective a treatment for any health condition mm-hmm. now what does homeopathic medicine mean the whole idea behind, I'll do this really quick because we're running out of time. You got it. Is the whole idea between homeopathic medicine is you can reduce a substance, a chemical, to its essence by diluting it out to a point there's like only one molecule of it left. Mm-hmm. And then you can shake up that the thing in it, shake up and release the energy of that one molecule and then drink the solution as that one molecule and achieve some sort of therapeutic benefit. Now we're going to come back, and you're going to want to talk about science and things like <laughs> dose-response curves and yeah. all that, which are inherent in science. Um, right after we break for some underwriting announcements on Health 411, you are listening to 1077 The Bronx and 1077 The Bronx. There's no appointment needed for this doctor's visit. Now back to the all-new Health 411, underwritten by Capital Health Minds Advancing Medicine. 1077 The Bronx, 1077thebronc.com. We're recording Health 411 from the Digital Bronx Studios at Ryder university dan and i are having a conversation and we welcome you to listen in and send us your thoughts and things at the end of the last segment dan brought up the idea of homeopathic medicine the homeopathic medicine is sort of based on the idea that you can take a substance that might have some sort of effect on the body reduce at high doses and reduce it down to its essence and have the minimal, like one molecule of it left, and then ingest that and ha- have the effects on the body retained. Is that all that homeopathic medicine is? That's the essence of homeopathic medicine. Okay. Now, homeopathic medicine um, uh, is sometimes uh, associated with people who are like natural paths, only want to use naturally occurring molecules. Right. But homeopathic medicine can easily be, you know, you could have a homeopathic medicine for, you know, opiates too. Right. You, you know, you reduce it down. But that flies. One of the things that we teach, like in, 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 in labs and in science, is the idea 
that you know the effect of a molecule on physiology on behavior almost anywhere you are in the body depends mm -hmm. depends on a lot of different things one of the things it depends on is dose mm. right a, a low dose of a drug might have no effect at all a high dose of the drug might have a little effect mm -hmm. or a positive effect but if you keep going up you know, we use alcohol earlier right yeah we're gonna have you relate if i if you sat down and had like a sip of a glass of wine it might not do anything to you mm -hmm. right you have a couple glasses of wine it might have an effect right mm -hmm. but if you keep going up and up drink a bottle drink of wine. A bo if you drink two or three bottles by yourself you might fall asleep Right, but if you drank more more quickly, like if you chugged them, right, three bottles of wine, some silly like that, for example, right? yeah, you could pass out and people can die. Yes, right. So you have a little bit of alcohol might have no effect. A little bit more might be disinhibiting, might make people feel good, mm -hmm. more social. In fact, alcohol is part of a lot of religions. There's right. ceremonial drinking in a lot of religions, mm -hmm. right? So alcohol is you know a thing. So it's like right? tobacco. Ceremonial, ceremonial smoking. Thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people smoke a whole bunch of things now, right? <laughs> yeah, this is um, true. And ingest them in different ways. But the idea is, if you do enough of it, you can die from it. Yeah. It's what you're. What's that? What's this illustrating is something called a dose response curve. Mm -hmm. And then there, there are you know things related to dose response curve about you know circadian rhythms and metabolism and a whole bunch of other things. But the you know the the state dependent. Um, aspects of it, whether you ate or not, in terms of alcohol. But anyway, the idea is there's a dose response curve. Right? What does that say about homeopathic medicine? That it might not necessarily work. Well, conceptually, conceptually could you I reduce feel like. something down to its essence and have that, that essence have the same effect in everybody? Well, I feel like it's pretty general. It depends on what that is, what the, what the essence of what? Essence of what, you know? For example, like botulinum toxin, that takes like less than the, the mass of one cell to kill you. Yeah, except people use Botox exactly, all for, the time. For, for lip fillers and stuff. Or you know, prevent wrinkles. Yeah. Um, prevent sweat. Um, so it it does have some therapeutic uses mm -hmm. in, in cosmetic kinds of things and um, other kinds. But you know, but you know, it has to be carefully controlled. So you're right. But the, you know, the botulism toxin is is, is nasty. Mm -hmm. it, it, it it can kill you. Um, homeopathic medicine seems not is. You know, a, you know, there are books in homeopathic medicine, a whole bunch of things. It's been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's really no evidence. There's also of, all this stuff about like crystal, crystal healing. Oh was, yeah. Would you consider that homeopathic medicine? Um, that, no, well, that's not. That's alternative medicine. Okay, so let's. And, what's and so, like the fine so, line? So, so the, well, there are some people who think in, in the scientific community there's no such thing as alternative medicine. Mm -hmm. There is only scientifically valued, value, uh, evaluated, scientifically tested medicine, or it's not. Mm -hmm. And right. what, do you, what do you think about there's a, that? There's a, I think there's a world of stuff that's alternative medicine. Um, you know, uh, in, in the break, you mentioned acupuncture. Mm -hmm. At one time, acupuncture was considered completely alternative medicine. Mm. However, research has now been done, right? And acupuncture, because what they, what they do in acupuncture technically is they put these little um, needles yeah. in you and they rotate the needles and stuff like that, right? And some of the things that have been done show that when they do that, you know, you, the cells that are nearby do respond. Mm. You know, it might not be the meridians that are in those ancient Chinese texts, but, you know, you might get some, you know, endogenous opiate release. Okay. Right? So could, could theoretically acupuncture be useful for pain mediation? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, 
Does it mean it cures everything? Does it probably not? Well, I don't think there's anything that cures anything. I think at, at yeah, that every, point, everything. But 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 there but there are some people who make those kinds of claims, mm-hmm. right? So remember, things can move from alternative to you know complementary medicine, which I think acupuncture is just to mainstream medicine, mm-hmm. right? But there's the the world of you know um, alternative medicine. Um, you know, there's other things like people who like moxibustion therapy. Oh, what? So the idea that you can like burn stuff and, and oh, you, you breathe did in. Did you say combustion? Oxy, well, moxibustion is the fancy word. For it. The idea is you, like, you burn shit. Pardon the French. You burn <laughs> things. And then when people like breathe in this stuff, it can cause stuff to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and there are people who do things like moxibustion therapy. Uh, if you if you're pregnant and you have a baby in the breech position. Right. Right. They might, you know. The alternative, yeah, and but is there ev- evidence for that? People in the alternative medicine world sometimes use uh, saw palmetto for people who have like middle age. You do too old for you, but you know people <laughs> with prostate problems. Right. The idea is, oh, you know, saw palmetto. It'll you know cause shrinking of benign prostatic hyperplasia. Is there any evidence that actually works? No, but does that stop your people from selling salt palmetto? Well, right, like it that? doesn't hurt, right? So what's really the harm unless you're foregoing you, real treatment? You often don't know if yeah. it hurts or not. For an, okay. an example of that, uh, a few years ago now, um, there was a big push of using uh, people using St. John's wort okay. to, to treat, you know, without having to use, you know, Prozac or, you know, other kinds of, you know, antidepressant medicine. Mm-hmm. The idea was, you know, you know, St. John's wort was going to treat depression in people. And they started sprinkling, you can get St. John's wort sprinkled even on tortilla chips and stuff huh. like that. You know, you don't hear much about it anymore, but that was one of those alternative medicine things. The, and the problem with that was if you were taking St. John's wort and you were also taking a medicine that worked on the same sort of system, mm. right? So there can be negative side effects of that, right? So if you're taking a serotonergic drug, right, and you're taking a, a quote-unquote naturally occurring substance even Mm -hmm. it's sprinkled on a tortilla chip that also enhances serotonin you can have like serotonin syndrome and things like that and you know there can be side effects Mm -hmm. of it right it's the same sort of thing that happens in people who drink alcohol and take gamma hydroxybutyrate ghb Mm. party drug it's a party drug right both of these drugs, you know, GHB is a natural component of carbohydrate metabolism in people. Okay. Right? So, you're, oh, so, you're, so is it endogenous? It's endogenous. Okay. Your brain, you make it naturally. I mean, you, your body's got this thing, right? And it's used stuff, but people take it recreationally and they can get, they can get like this drunk kind of high. It's like, like a club drug kind mm-hmm. of thing, right? And, you know, a lot of people don't like to drink alcohol because the calories, you know, I don't want to get fat. Oh, I can get like, I can feel like I'm drunk and take GHB. Mm-hmm. In fact, when I was your age, up until the mid-1980s, you could buy GHB in the, like the mall, like, mm. you know, the nutrition stores. Wow. Right? You, but you can't buy it there anymore. Clearly. Why, why can't you buy GHB? It used to be sold as a nutritional supplement. Right? See, I didn't know that. Well, you, it, it, this all started with the idea. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going way off topic of the, uh, but this is relevant. I'm going off the Dunning Kruger effect. But the idea is, you said, oh well, you know, it's not going to cause any harm. Who knows? But the reason they took GHB off the shelves, they made it illegal, is because it works through the same molecular mechanism as alcohol. And so mm. people would go to parties, they would take a small amount of alcohol, a small amount of GHB, right? And then it would shift them on that dose response curve between feeling good, being anesthetized and dying. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And so because that dose response curve, because you have two molecules working on the same system, 
everything gets shifted to the left. And if you're used to drinking a certain amount and being fine, now you put GHB in there. You no, could, you're not you, as fine. You, you could die. Mm-hmm. So when you, you know, if you're going to take that, if you're going to see that in club drugs, do not mix gamma hydroxybutyrate and alcohol. Thanks for the advice. I'll, I'll, make sure to, I'll, ne- I'll make sure to never do that. But, you know, that, 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 <laughs> that's one of the things they could have tested on this. Yeah. Thing. You know, but they were looking at, you know, out of, out of the things that they were looking at, and we bring it back to the, the Dunning-Kruger yes. effect. The, I, you know, we could develop a study. We could ask people about GHB and how much they actually know about it. And if you, you have this objective versus subjective knowledge, people's opinions of it would be like, oh, they think they know a lot, mm-hmm. but they, they really, really don't. And this has um, issues in today's world because we see things in t- today's world that people express their beliefs either on social media. Anybody can put up their beliefs on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. It's like an echo chamber, right? It's all people with the same exact opinions on, just echoing. On news stations, it happens all the time. People just posting things and saying things about what they believe. And people believe things, and often very emotionally and vehemently, in the absence of data, in the absence of some sort of evidence. They just using the, their pre-existing frame of reference. So, what's the them. solution? Well, the solution used to be, you know, if you present people with data and evidence, people will draw logical conclusions. We're getting away from that in society and people talk about things like alternative facts mm. and in science what does that even mean it, alternative it, it, it's facts. not a scientific thing it's it's not a, it's, it's a people who bring their belief system to an evaluation of what they have and the answer is very very tricky how do you change this how do you convince people to make evidence-based decisions right instead of decisions based on especially when it relates to the science thing. It's very, very hard. It's also like a big problem. People don't really trust the science these days. Well, and a lot of that is people don't understand the scientific process. Yeah. They don't understand what science is all about. And so especially when there's scientific consensus about things and people are opposed to it because they don't understand science. They don't understand scientific probability. They don't understand the process. And you know, the opposition to scientific consensus is driven by sort of what they talk about is an illusion of understanding, mm-hmm. you know, and that can lead to dangerous actions like not getting vaccinated kinds of things. Or too much GHB. Or, or, or theoretically, theoretically too much. Or, or the in, in, in um, uh, unsafe use of GHB. And the way to really affect that, uh, the authors of this paper suggest, is changing community. Find community leaders um, who can get that word, but it's really, really hard to do. Because, Can't teach an old dog new tricks. Uh, right. My mind's made up. I've got an audience. People are listening to my podcast, listening to my TV shows, and I can say outrageous things because they're going to believe whatever I say. It's really hard to confuse those people because their mind's made up. Don't confuse them with the facts. Mm-hmm. Where we started. We're out of time, Dan, unfortunately. Unfortunately. This is 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. We are recording from the Bronx studios, and thank you for listening to Health 411. This program is part of Capital Health and Rider University's efforts to bring people together to address issues associated with all aspects of health, healthcare, and science. We hope today's conversation has given you things to think about and a little metacognition so you can think about how much you actually know um, as you make judgments um, about what you think you know and what you go forward. If 
you have questions and or comments about this program or want to make suggestions for future broadcasts, please email us at health411 at rider.edu. Remember, you have a doctor's appointment scheduled for every Sunday at 10 a.m. Don't miss the all-new Health 411 with Dr. Jonathan Karp and our expert medical guest from Capital Health. You can listen to Health 411 anytime on demand. Go to 1077thebronc.com slash health411 to listen to past episodes or tune in every Thursday at 9 a.m. to hear the weekend rewind edition of Health 411. Health 411 on 1077thebronc is underwritten by Capital Health, Minds Advancing Medicine. Capital Health is the region's leader in providing progressive quality patient care with exceptional physicians, nurses, and staff, as well as advanced technology.